Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Today's poem is Longfellow's The Occultation of Orion. The Occultation of Orion, though difficult to follow at first hearing, expresses a familiar and easily understood hope cherished by Longfellow, that the reign of war and violence in human history is coming to an end. This hope is given its fullest and most beautiful expression in the occultation of Orion's final twelve lines, concluding, Forevermore, forevermore, the reign of violence is o'er. The poem's central image is an astronomical event, the occultation of the constellation Orion by the moon. An astronomical occultation occurs when one celestial object, usually the moon, blocks a second celestial object, a star or planet, from view. The occultation of Orion doesn't take place, though, until the fifth of the poem's six sections. In the first section of the poem, Longfellow envisions time, with a capital T, holding in its hand a balance, with the day sinking and the night with its stars ascending. In the second section, he envisions the seven spheres of Greek astronomy, the spheres which contain the orbits of, consecutively, the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn, as a musical lyre producing the music of the spheres, a notion attributed in ancient times to Pythagoras of Samos. This music, with its notes deepening as the strings extend out to the aged Saturn, seemed to the poet a prelude to tragedy. The next image, then, is the rise of the constellations in the night sky until Orion, the hunter, stands overhead, the skin of a slaughtered lion in one hand and a murderous club in the other, with a sword, a second killing weapon, hanging from his belt. Orion is a figure of violence and killing, and thus of tragedy. In the next section, though, the poem makes a shift that's a little hard to follow, a shift from the pagan images of the classical world to a Christian image of Longfellow's own imagining. The full moon is no longer Diana, but has become a Christian saint, though still female, undergoing a trial by walking on hot coals while hearing the voice of God. Only now do we come to the occultation, as this feminine Christian figure passes in front of masculine Orion, causing him to drop his trophy and his club and stagger back helplessly. In the final section, an angel blasts a trumpet with a new sound, the sound of peace, that reverberates with the strings of the celestial seven-stringed lyre and turns the music of the spheres away from tragedy into a new heaven and a new earth of peace. Let's listen. The Occultation of Orion by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I saw, as in a dream sublime, the balance in the hand of time, or east and west its beam impended, 
and day with all its hours of light was slowly sinking out of sight, while opposite the scale of night silently with the stars ascended. Like the astrologers of Eld, in that bright vision I beheld greater and deeper mysteries. I saw with its celestial keys, its cords of air, its frets of fire, the Samian's great Aeolian lyre rising through all its sevenfold bars, from earth unto the fixed stars, and through the dewy atmosphere not only could I see but hear its wondrous and harmonious strings in sweet vibration, sphere by sphere, from Diane's circle light and near, onward to vaster and wider rings, where, chanting through his beard of snows, majestic, mournful, Saturn goes, and down the sunless realms of space reverberates the thunder of his bass. Beneath the sky's triumphal arch, this music sounded like a march, and with its chorus seemed to be preluding some great tragedy. Sirius was rising in the east, and slow ascending one by one, the kindling constellations shone. Begirt with many a blazing star stood the great giant Algebar, Orion, hunter of the beast. His sword hung gleaming by his side, and on his arm the lion's hide scattered across the midnight air the golden radiance of its hair. The moon was pallid, but not faint, and, beautiful as some fair saint, serenely moving on her way in hours of trial and dismay, as if she heard the voice of God, Unharmed with naked feet she trod upon the hot and burning stars, as on the glowing coals and bars that were to prove her strength and try her holiness and her purity. Thus moving on with silent pace and triumph in her sweet pale face, she reached the station of Orion. Aghast he stood in strange alarm, and suddenly from his outstretched arm down fell the red skin of the lion into the river at his feet. His mighty club no longer beat the forehead of the bull, but he reeled as of yore beside the sea, when, blinded by Onepion, he sought the blacksmith at his forge, and, climbing up the mountain gorge, fixed his blank eyes upon the sun. Then through the silence overhead, an angel with a trumpet said, Forevermore, forevermore, the reign of violence is o'er. And like an instrument that flings its music on other strings, the trumpet of the angel cast upon the heavenly lyre its blast, and on from sphere to sphere the words re-echoed down the burning chords, Forevermore, Forevermore, the reign of violence is o'er. In an explanatory headnote to the occultation of Orion, Longfellow acknowledges that, technically, the moon cannot occult a constellation, as a constellation is not a true celestial object, but only the stars within it. Astronomically speaking, he wrote, 
This title is incorrect. As I apply to a constellation, what can properly be applied to some of its stars only? But my observation is made from the hill of song and not from the hill of science, and will, I trust, be found sufficiently accurate for the present purpose. Just as Longfellow expressed his hope for a new world of peace in many poems, so too does he make this distinction between the hill of science and the hill of song elsewhere. But while these two hills are distinct, they cannot be unconnected. His image must have some literal accuracy if it's to have poetic force. These two worlds, the world of poetry and the world of science, though different, have always had an intertwined relationship. The music of the spheres was taken seriously as a scientific idea as late as the 17th century by no less an astronomer than Johannes Kepler. The relationship between the vibrations of string and the vibrations of the human heart and mind is still talked about today in scientific as well as poetic circles. Is there, in the phrase of the English poet Alfred Tennyson, a celestial music felt along the heart? If so, is that music of necessity tragic, or can a new celestial music come into being? Leave these as poetic rather than scientific questions, if you will, but keep them in mind as we listen again to The Occultation of Orion. The Occultation of Orion by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I saw, as in a dream sublime, the balance in the hand of time, or east and west its beams impended, and day with all its hours of light was slowly sinking out of sight, while opposite the scale of night silently with the stars ascended. Like the astrologers of Eld, and that bright vision I beheld greater and deeper mysteries. I saw with its celestial keys, its cords of air, its frets of fire, the Samian's great Aeolian lyre, rising through all its sevenfold bars, from earth unto the fixed stars. And through the dewy atmosphere, not only could I see, but hear, its wondrous and harmonious strings in sweet vibration sphere by sphere, from Diane's circle light and near, onward to vaster and wider rings, where, chanting through his beard of snows, majestic, mournful Saturn goes, and down the sunless realms of space reverberates the thunder of his bass. Beneath the sky's triumphal arch, this music sounded like a march, and with its chorus seemed to be preluding some great tragedy. Sirius was rising in the east, and, slow ascending one by one, the kindling constellations shone. Begirt with many a blazing star stood the great giant Algebar, Orion, hunter of the beast. His sword hung gleaming by his side, and on his arm the lion's hide scattered across the midnight air the golden radiance of its hair. The moon was pallid but not faint, 
and beautiful as some fair saint, serenely moving on her way in hours of trial and dismay, as if she heard the voice of God unharmed with naked feet, she trod upon the hot and burning stars, as on the glowing coals and bars that were to prove her strength and try her holiness and her purity. Thus moving on with silent pace and triumph in her sweet pale face, she reached the station of Orion. Aghast he stood in strange alarm, and suddenly from his outstretched arm down fell the red skin of the lion into the river at his feet. His mighty club no longer beat the forehead of the bull, but he reeled as of yore beside the sea when, blinded by an epion, he sought the blacksmith at his forge and, climbing up the mountain gorge, fixed his blank eyes upon the sun. Then, through the silence overhead, an angel with a trumpet said, Forevermore, forevermore, the reign of violence is o'er. And, like an instrument that flings its music on another's strings, the trumpet of the angel cast upon the heavenly lyre its blast. And on from sphere to sphere the words re-echoed down the burning chords. Forevermore, forevermore, the reign of violence is o'er. How disheartened the Longfellow would be if he were to awaken today to see what progress the world has made since he wrote his poems. Science has done a lot. I watched the news yesterday as a hypersonic missile dropped from the belly of a jet and sped ahead many times the speed of sound to wind its unstoppable way to a shopping mall sheltering families from the war around them. Meanwhile, a tank column 40 miles long appears stuck in the mud that sucked at the hooves of mounted horses a thousand years ago. A mother in a hospital bed, her face pocked with wounds, tells of shielding her infant from flying shrapnel. Poetry, it seems, has done very little to transform the world. Still, I think it might. I hope you do as well, and that you'll join me again next week for another episode of Fireside Poems. If you think others might enjoy Fireside Poems, please let them know about it through your social media so that they might join you and me each week by the Fireside.